Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bloke and the Bird Show. We go away for a week. Well, actually, Patricia goes away for a week, and apparently all hell breaks loose. They knew I was away from the interwebs and could not comment. Because Monza was less than exciting. I don't know. You've not there was really all seen kinds it of yet. Other, you didn't ask to see it, and you, we've got it downloaded. It is available. You could have downloaded it yourself from Channel 4's website, or at this point, you probably could have gotten the Sky coverage. Or it's still on the DVR if you wanted to settle for NBC Sports coverage. You know I don't settle. See, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a few other things that I've had to deal with in the last four days. But, you know, before we get to Monza and all of You want to talk about my stuff. weekend away? No. Oh. No. We're going to go all the way back to Spa. Now, if you remember, because it feels like it was a really long time ago, and we didn't really get to talk about this too much. Uh, we knew that there was some. Well, I, I, you know, I guess if you talk to Sebastian Vettel and Kimi Raikkonen, they might say it was this. That is an unprecedented amount of contact, shunts, and shenanigans. Shenanigans? I think there's some sort of foul play afoot. In Grand Prix racing, they'd be ridiculous. That kind of thing only happens in cartoons. Shenanigans. Shenanigans. That was. They looked. At they Max Verstappen's shenanigans. They looked at Max Verstappen's driving, and they called shenanigans. Now, what exactly are the penalties for shenanigans? Is that the f- a five place grid penalty? Is it a stop and go in the pits? Well, Drive through what, for shenanigans. What it sounds like, and and as you recall from what we heard from Sebastian post race, the penalty may be that they take Max behind the garage and beat the snot out of him. Right, because Vettel wants this to be settled amongst the drivers. Yes. You know, like men. Now, Max Verstappen came out and said that um, Kimi and um, Seb should be ashamed for criticizing him. Oh, they should. Now, what has come out a little further on is that Max admitted that he may have let his temper get away from him. Um in specific, he has said that the move going up the Kemmel straight at 200 miles an hour, he may have only done that because he was pissed at the Ferraris. Okay. <laughs> As a result of said admission, Charlie Whiting and the FIA pulled Max into a room by the collar. <laughs> and as the word came out, Max was given a gentle warning that such behavior would not be tolerated again. Gentle. He was made to stand in the corner, wasn't he? The, well, he, the, the FIA has their own naughty step. No. It's different from Mercedes' naughty step. Oh, it's a different naughty step. Um, <coughs> now, just tell me, because this is, when we call shenanigans on such things, mm-hmm. don't you really wish that you could just hear Charlie Whiting going, I call shenanigans! No, I don't think it would be Charlie Whiting. I could see Toto Wolf. Oh. Maybe Nicky Lauda. Nicky no. Lauda. No, would actually, call actually, he would be a bit more than shenanigans. <laughs> He'd be using a bit stronger language than that. Maybe some shorter actually, letters. J- just watch um, Rush. Yeah. Where he's driving the Ferrari. Yes. That would be a good one. Now, um, I know that Charlie had a stern talking to with our young Mr. Verstappen. Mm hmm. Now, 
you also need to know that he had a talking to by his own team. Less yeah. stern. However, Dr. Helmut Marco has come out publicly and said, we've spoken to Max and we believe that he's ahead of his time and that Kimmy and uh, Sebastian are only saying what they say because they're jealous and threatened by the young Versteppen. Is, is, is that it? Do, do you know what um, Max is probably saying? Daddy says I did okay. Kimmy, get out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. So, speaking of f Ferraris. The little red cars. We're, we're, we're going to go around in, in a roundabout way to get to Ferraris here. Um, you know, we had also talked just after, the, after Spa that um, now that Sauber had money, we were expecting to see upgrades come out, and it didn't seem like the upgrades that they brought to Spa really did much. Well, Sauber came out and said, it's Ferrari's fault. Oh! They so, they said it, Ferrari's crap box engines. Ooh, Dim's fighting yeah. words. Yeah, they, they blame it on Ferrari. They said Ferrari's crappy engines mask the performance of their upgraded parts. Okay, so, so let's just... Back up a second. Sauber is not getting the unupgraded 2015 engine, right? They're getting the new 2016 engine, right? Correct. And let's see. Well, who else drives the 2016 engine? They said it was because of mechanical issues. And and they have some points here. Um, yes, they did get the new engines. They got the upgrades. However, Marcus Erickson had to have take an engine change uh, and sorry from the pit lane, we find out now because of cooling system, system issues. And Felipe Nasser was dealing with engine misfires. Mm. So it's not really a, a, a performance issue as much as a reliability issue. And that was in Spa, correct? correct. We haven't started talking anything about Monza. Oh, okay. Well, you, you know, let, let, let me summarize Monza. Okay. I'm ready. So Lewis had pole after um, dominating qualifying by about 30 seconds over Nico. Whoa. Um, Lewis flubbed the start. Nico ran away. And then that was it. Oh, and the McLarens got a fastest lap possibly for the first time since oh 2012 oh so a super exciting race huh and alonzo laughed on the radio at his team uh -oh. hysterically um then or, or before that he yelled at his team because the lights stopped working in the pit lane and yeah that was kind of about it so what was it about palmer um, Renault's driver Palmer, who accused Sauber's Felipe Nasser of unfair driving, didn't know that was in, in the sporting regulations, but unfair driving after an early crash between the two of them retired both in their both of the cars. Well, there you go. That was about it. Okay. Do you know that he said that there was better racing in GP2 and GP3 right now? If you compare, well, you, you got to wonder about that. 
because arguably the speeds are up. Mm-hmm. We had an okay spa. Monza was dull. Monza was not exciting at all. Um, but we had a lot of really good races this season so far. I think we've had some really so good. I, I don't believe that. I think we've had some really good races, particularly in the mid pack and, you know, second to fifth. Um, but I don't ever find Monza to be all that exciting. I don't think historically we've had an exciting Monza. No, not really. Now, the, the couple of other moments that, that should pick up on real quick. Sebastian Vettel ending up in third, um, where granted the Ferraris were completely outclassed, but it was A, a podium for Ferrari at Monza, which is huge. Mm-hmm. But B, I think this is the first time that Sebastian Vettel has been on a podium. Well, actually, let me, let me start that differently. The last time Sebastian Vettel was on a podium at Monza, I believe he was booed. Oh. Resoundly. Oh, because he was wearing blue. Right. This time he was cre- he was treated like a hero. Possibly because in the driver's room he may have grabbed the wrong Pirelli hat and went out there wearing the first place hat, not the third place <laughs> hat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that might have had something to do with it. Um, Nico Rosberg managed to win over the crowd. Wow. Um, oh. Nico was booed. Natch. However, Seb came up. He spoke a little bit in Italian. Not great Italian, because Seb doesn't speak great Italian. But then Nico came up and spoke quite a bit in Italian, because he speaks really good Italian. He speaks five languages. Five or six. But he speaks really good Italian, and then got the, the crowd chanting with him. What was he chanting? Ferrari? No. Go Ferrari. No, he was he was humming it was it was a heavy metal song. Oh. It wasn't anything Italian. Okay. But they were chanting with him. I mean it, it was pretty good. Alrighty. But anyway, moving on. Okay. Um we'll probably go back and talk a little about Mon- other Monza stuff later. Uh we are starting to get some leaks about the twenty seventeen schedule. Um, the first draft or the early draft appears that once again there will be a clash between Mons or, or between Le Mans and Baku. Ah, uh, I think that's going to happen for as long as they think that they are going to prevent a driver from jumping ship like Hulkenberg did last year. That's some of it. We're, we're still looking at the same number of races. No new venues, the same venues that we had this year. You mean that Las Vegas venue that they just needed to find a pen isn't happening next year? No. And and Hoboken is still off the list. <laughs> <laughs> Hoboken is not happening. Okay. Um, it is still a 21-race calendar uh, with the first race of the 2017 season scheduled currently for March 26th. Okay, it's typically around the 15th of March. Yeah, it's going to be a bit later. Um, this was done deliberately to, uh, so that the teams had a little bit more time for their testing and development and preseason work. Um, th- right now, the plan is two scheduled preseason tests, uh, the first from February 27th to March 2nd and the other from March 7th to March 10th. Now, the venues for these have not been decided but Pirelli is pushing very hard for Bahrain to host the 
uh, preseason running. Really? The reason for this, Pirelli hates going to Barcelona. The reason why they don't like going to, and, and specifically they don't like going to Barcelona for preseason stuff, because it's still winter in Barcelona. The temperatures are colder than any other time that they are they hit that track or any other track during so the season. So it's really not a good, fair test It's thing. a terrible test for them for tires. Mm-hmm. So Pirelli would much rather they go to a warm weather location like Bahrain, which really, really wants them to host testing there anyway. Oh, and that's well, why win win. Yeah, I think it was last year they went to Bahrain or the year before they went to Bahrain. So we'll see what happens. There's there, nothing has been announced yet. Now, just before the Italian Grand Prix, uh, the Italian Automobile Federation announced that it was ready to sign a three-year deal worth sixty-eight million euro to keep the Grand Prix at Monza. And it looks like that was about to happen. It looks like we are going to keep Monza on the calendar. No. And then Imola stepped up. And they are now taking legal action over the deal. <laughs> Basically, they're ticked off over how the wording of the law came in into play that gives A, Monza the rights to the Italian Grand Prix name. Right. And B, apparently gives the Automobile Club d'Italia, which I guess operates Monza, some tax breaks. That they're not getting. Right. They says, they, they say, Imola says, hey, we're a fully qualified and sanctioned automobile club, just like they are. Yeah. Treat us the same mm-hmm. or move on. So we'll see what happens. We don't know where this is going. But you know what what tends to happen this time of year? This is where silly season really picks up. Well, we should start with the lows. The lows? Yeah. Extension cords? No. I was going to start way, way off the track. Way off the track. Way, way off the track. I'm well, not retiring this maybe, year. Maybe track adjacent. We'll start track adjacent. How's that? Okay. A rumor surfaced just before Monza, and actually over the course of the Italian Grand Prix weekend that Formula One race director Charlie Whiting was looking to quit the world – motorsports governing body and join a race team (laughs) charlie says um yeah no he says he's heard this rather ludicrous story and he doesn't know where it came from that apparently he's not happy at the fia and he's been touting himself to the teams it's entirely without foundation on both counts it's laughable he says, I'm, enti- I'm extremely happy what I'm doing, and I'm most certainly not touting myself to the teams. And if I did, I wouldn't do it in the paddock. Oh, my word. Yeah. I can't imagine Charlie not, not doing what he does. I mean, that seems crazy. More likely that the rumor all surfaced that he's retiring from motorsports. Yeah, I, I think that would be more like. Now, his assistant race director, 
already announced his retirement. Ah. And that was that was a couple of a couple of months ago that happened. Hmm. So, should we talk about just prior to the Italian Grand Prix, the the news that was a surprise but not really a surprise. That Massa's retiring? The man who is recipient to one of the most notorious radio calls in Formula One. Oh. Okay. So, Fernando is faster than you. Can you confirm you understood that message? Uh, I couldn't let it go. I know, but I hate hearing that because <laughs> I like Massa so very much. I'm actually happy for him to retire. I really am. Um, he's 35 years old. He's got a, a little one. He needs to be home. He's got things to do. I'm sure he will have a brilliant post-F1 career because, quite frankly, he's very likable. Yeah. You know, I, I, I what I like about this is that as much as, yes, he saw the writing on the wall, he made the announcement. It mm-hmm. came from, and, and he turned around and he said that the reality was this deci- he made this decision during the summer break. He already knew that he was going to make the call. It was a matter of when it was going to happen. Now, granted, his performance this season has been lackluster. Mm-hmm. And, and some of that is the car's fault. The, the, the design this year has not been nearly as successful as previous years. But we've seen better out of him. We've seen much better out of him. So I, I can understand that he decided that now is the time to pull the plug. Now, have you heard the rumor as to who might be in the pole position to replace him? No, actually. I, well, I have a theory, but I don't know. I am hearing rumors, buzz, chatter, whispers, as the arrow would say. That Williams development driver, a 17-year-old Canadian named Lance Stroll, is in that prime position to take over Massa's seat. I've heard some talk about possibly Stroll and also one of their other development. They've got another one whose name eludes me this right right now. Uh, But I've heard some talk that, that both of those could be potential contenders with the thought being that um, Valtteri Bottas is now an experienced veteran. And and Williams likes having a veteran at the team to offset a younger talent. Um, Granted, Valtteri's only been in in the sport for, what, three years now? Right. Which is nothing compared to what Massa brought or even possibly a Jensen Button. But— but that's a different story. That That's another story. But hang on. Let's continue to talk about Williams for just a minute. Okay. Um, it seems that... Oh, so, okay, we have the Lance thing as a possibility to take over Massa's seat. Botas is not confirmed yet. Correct. Um, which, by the way, Force India has now decided that they're going to comment not on anything else, but the fact that they don't understand why Williams hasn't confirmed mm. Botas which I find very interesting. But it seems that in the technical side, um, Williams has picked up ex-Ferrari tire chief Antonio Spingoli. 
Spangolo. I have no idea. Spicoli? <laughs> Span good yeah, Spangolo. Um for competitor competitor analysis and performance concept team lead. Okay. Just you know, they're trying to pick up some other people and there's like this little mass exodus going on for, for from Ferrari. Well, you have to wonder, is is this a mass exodus? Is this rats fleeing a sinking ship? Or is this possibly somebody going nuclear in the Ferrari factory? You mean the little little postal mist going on over there? Something like that. Whether that's an Arriva Bene or a Marchione, I don't know. Who knows? Now, if you happen to be on the Twitters. On the Twitters? On the Twitters. Mm -hmm. You will be and follow Felipe Massa. He uh, has been posting some retrospectives from his career. And in fact, that he would be greatly missing the simulator. I'm surprised he doesn't have one. And I, that was my thought. I mean, my understanding is he's got, at the house in Brazil, he's got a go-kart track. Well, you know, maybe he needs to, you know, with his britches, buy himself his own simulator. But it says, I will miss you a lot, simulator. Hmm. Because I believe Fernando Alonso has a simulator. Fernando Alonso has all of his old cars, too. Well, there's that, too. Yeah. Um... But anyway, back to Massa. I think that he it's its time. I will miss him. I, I certainly will miss his good spirit. He has a great joy to the racing grid that I will miss. And I hope that coming up is somebody else that will bring that kind of happiness to the grid. Well, you know, the leading rumor was that it was going to be Jensen Button. However... I guess the best way to describe, at least from our perspective, the news about Jensen's future would be this. Puzzling um, and obviously disappointing. Because we words. wanted Jensen to stay around. Well, yeah, actually, I want him to come to NBC Sports and do their commentating. I don't think that's going to happen. replace David Hobbs. Yes, replace David Hobbs. Specifically, David Hobbs. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I figure I could just walk to the studio and wave a gin and tonic in the wings, and I could get David Hobbs' attention off the show. Yeah, possibly. Um, so what was announced? Yeah, what was that? The, the, I guess several folks in the media have been chastised either by Jensen or by McLaren for calling this a retirement. No, because he's not retiring. He actually has signed a special two-year contract. He, 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 got signed, he signed a two-year contract with the team. Stoffel Van Dorn will be taking his seat, and the best way to describe Jensen's position is he is about to become their test and development driver for 2017. Normally, that's not the direction a world champion goes. But apparently... And this is the weird thing about it. The the weirdnesses in his video announcement is that his family is growing and he would like to see them more than once a year. Well, I, I think we're talking extended relatives. Well, that I figured out. Because, you know, he, you know his... he divorced Jessica, and I haven't heard if he's dating anybody else. Nor do I think that there were any children with Jessica. No, there were not. 
So, but yes, extended family, he'd like to see them more than once a year. So at first I thought, oh, well, okay, he's going to take a sabbatical. That was my first thought. And that's how some people have been describing it and pitching it. But then I saw on one of the news outlets that Jensen may actually be racing in one of the other series for Honda. Yes, that is a possibility as well. So Ron Dennis has come out and said he will be doing simulator work. Jensen has said that he will continue to maintain his fitness levels. Well, yes, because he wants to continue his triathlons. He likes to race, you know. He's going to continue to cycle and swim. That was a quote. Yeah. Um, so he's going to be in the triathlon world. I, you know, I hope that we see from him the same thing we saw from Mark Weber, that he will, you know, put on a little bit more weight and start filling out again. Well, keep this in mind, though. In his role... He is, I believe, still not just a test and development driver, but I believe he's still going to be a reserve driver. Now, going by McLaren's history for the past two years, that means he could still end up driving for at least a race next year. Well, especially if Fernando keeps crashing into stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't fully understand it, but I have a theory. Okay. This is my personal theory. I think that Ron Dennis wanted to make it contractually impossible for Jensen Button to go to a different team. He did. He needed to put Stoffel in the seat. He did. He could not break Fernando's contract to do it, mm -hmm. but he didn't want Jensen going someplace else, so he gave Jensen a sabbatical. Gardening leave. I think that's some of it, but there's another piece here. What? I think that this move, dis despite what everyone is saying, that that because he has the ability under this contract to come back in 2018. He's mm -hmm. still a driver for them. They can still exercise it. Fernando's contract is up at the end of 2017. So you think it's leverage against Fernando too? It, well, it, it, it's one of two things. It can either be leverage against Fernando if Fernando wants to go and push them hard or if the other thing that happens with Fernando, that Fernando turns around and he, he has said that depending on how much he enjoys driving the cars under the 2017 rules will determine his future in the sport. If Fernando turns around and says, this is crap and decides he's going to leave, or he goes and throws a hissy, and I think that's why Fernando's attitude has been different this year than last year, mm. is that... Fernando may have also been told that if his attitude does not change, that he could be replaced. He knew all this year that it was Van Dorn waiting in the wings for him. Now he's got Jensen sitting in the wings. Yeah. So maybe that it, it, it's some kind of a hedge and, and something to hold over Fernando's head. I think this is a Ron Dennis move to tie Jensen up and then – the, the counterbalance of that is protect against 2018. Now, I did hear somebody, you know, as we describe this whole deal, and again, what the deal is, is that in a nutshell, Jensen will not be driving. He will be going into a test and development role, reserve role for the team for two years under a two-year contract 
because um, his contract was up with them. He will do promotional and ambassador brand ambassador stuff for the team for the next two years, and there is the potential that he could return to a seat in 2018. This is something that is so convoluted that it sounds exactly like it came out of Ron Dennis's mouth. Um, I think that is exactly <laughs> the best summary ever. Now, I did have one thing. Under his ambassador role, Mm-hmm. Do you think that he will still be able to do his tender moments with DC? Because truly, that does make a pit walk great. You know, I think that those moments could be bigger and longer and in different areas. You know, it wouldn't Ooh. necessarily have to be on the grid. Yeah. Because now they could encounter him in the paddock or wherever. So keep that in mind. Because the tender moments between the the loving tenderness between DC and Jensen is quite interesting. So let's talk a little about Stoffel Van Dorn. Um, the one of the questions is, well, you know, how long is Stoffel's contract? And Ron Dennis is not saying. All he will say is that Stoffel could be at McL- well, he will be at McLaren for some time. Um, Ron indicated that if he performs as expected, he will be around for a while. Of course, it's a contract that you would expect. It provides us with an opportunity for a long and successful relationship. But really, his destiny is in his own hands. Which I would think would be a good description for anybody's contract in Formula One. (laughs) If you drive really good, we'll keep you. Otherwise, you're out the door. And contracts aren't really worth the paper they're written on anyway. So, you know, whatever. But the other interesting comment came from... Fernando. Yes. Fernando said that um, both him and Jensen have been focused for the the past year on assisting Stoffel and bringing him up so that in ensuring that he was ready to come into Formula One and that those efforts will continue. Well, the— Fernando also came out to say that he believed that Stoffel was poised to become the number one driver at McLaren. Yeah, he, he said, Jensen and myself felt that we have to be helping Stoffel getting into F1 because we know that for the future he will be the man maybe running McLaren. This is for Fernando's own words. This year, Jensen and I want to fight and try to beat each other, but at the same time try to help the team. Stoffel was helping us a lot as test driver, a lot in the simulator, and a lot here with the engineers. For me, it will not be different next year. I will try to do my own job, but Jensen and myself will be helping Stoffel as much as we can because for the future, he will be the man. Whoa. Who is this and what did he do with Fernando Alonso? Apparently one of those concussions. Wait a minute. Is he concussed? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, perhaps he's concussed, but maybe one of those concussions jarred the ego loose. I don't know. Speaking of possibly concussed. Yes. Because he probably got the crap beat out of him by uh, the folks over at Toro Rosso. Young GP2 series leader Pierre Gasly got himself in a bit of trouble. Oh, really? Yeah. So apparently in an interview... Um, he said, I guess, actually, he was talking to, to motorsport.com. Pierre Gasly said, during this interview with them, they told me some rumors claim that you will be driving in Singapore. He 
Gasly said, when they said this, I responded, I replied, will I? Real I? Really? Let's hope it's true. I must see what helmet, I must see what with helmet what they have decided. Then during the interview, Pierre said he told them that he was hoping to get to F1 as early as possible and doing his best. That really is what he wants for next year, and that's his goal. However, based on those words, somebody went running off and, and spreading the rumor that Daniel Kvyat was out the door and would not be driving in Singapore. Gasly would be taking his place. That's not true. That's what I'm saying here. I know, but that's not what's going to happen. Even Helmut came out and said that it's not they're not ready to replace Daniel. Yeah. I thought you were saying it wasn't true that Gasly said this. No, I'm <laughs> saying that, that that him driving in Singapore is not true. It was not going to happen. Yeah, not going to happen. Well. However. I, I, I can't see um, Daniel Kvyat getting a seat next year at this rate. I'm having a hard time seeing that, but I'm hearing that he is being pulled into the higher-ups offices for a little good talking to to calm his butt down. Um, also noticed that there has been an increase of forced group team shots and photos <laughs> between Daniel and Carlos Sainz. It's how many times can we shove those two boys on the same thing, like on bikes next to each other to show that they're working out together and, you know, together in this and together in that. It's like um, the end of the romance, and yet we're still going to take public publicity shots with each other. Meanwhile, Carlos Sainz is going, God, that guy is so depressing. I, I, I'm... Just take me off suicide watch with him already, please. <laughs> well, there are other people on this team that can do that job. I don't need to do it. Well, he, of course he is depressing. You realize that he's been reading God. War and Peace and Anna Karenina. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's known for being the literary one on the grid, and he likes to read Russian novels. Well, I can understand that being that he is, you know, Russian. Yeah, but Dostoevsky has not entertained anyone. That is a surefire way to get depressed. Now, I was doing some research online. A, a, a small amount of internet I, research. I, I discovered that there has been a message that has been sent to um, young Daniel from Vladimir Putin that basically said that if you want me to release your parents from the gulag again, you're going to have to do better. Oh. <laughs> It's going to be a little rough. So moving on, Sergio Perez. He is now saying that it is very unlikely that he will leave Force India at the end of the season, but he insists that nothing has been finalized yet to confirm his future. Now, we did hear some stories in the build-up to Monza that also seems to indicate that Force India believes that uh, whatever the holdup was commercial-wise – Will probably is probably about to be resolved, and they were expecting an announcement around Singapore, finalizing their driver lineup. Well, final, final, finalizing, apparently. reconfirming their driver lineup. Apparently, and you know that that line that me thinks he he denies too much, he protests mm -hmm. too much. I wonder what the kernel of truth in this little tabloid tidbit is okay apparently bob fernley has denied crazy bob fernley yes denied 
air quotes included, that the team has held any talks with Mexican billionaire Carlos Slim for a takeover. Yeah, I saw that also. I'm that the team was denying that. Would that not have been something that would have held up the promotional rates? Considering Carlos Slim is, is the one who's bankrolling Sergio's career? My point. Yeah. My point. So one of the the rumors, the, the talk about Sergio and his career was that he was a leading candidate for a seat at Renault for 2017. Right. Well, also hoping to know his future at Renault was Kevin Magnuson, who was fully expecting his decision on his future to be made and announced before Singapore, which is next weekend. We thought this is going to happen. <coughs> Renault has now come out and said that they are probably going to be postponing their decision until sometime in October because they need more time to evaluate the rising and upcoming stars in the sport. Well, as of around the 9th, Surreal Abitapol um, has said that he really wants to confirm the driver lineup by the end of September. Mm -hmm. Wants doesn't say he will. I'm just calling out the, the difference. But he did say he wants to... Um, well, Renault's strategy is they are essentially looking for Formula One's version of the franchise player. Right. They want somebody who is charismatic, who is skilled, you know, who is the all-around package to, to represent the team going into the future and would be with the team for the future. So they were hoping that maybe this could be Sergio Perez. Well, that doesn't look like it's going to happen. They were also hoping that maybe it would be Stoffel Van Dorn because they were hoping that McLaren wouldn't go that route. Um, but now that those are both off the table, um, Renault still insists that they want to find a youngster that it can build its long-term future around. And Frederick Vasseur says that its situation is now more fluid because these are off the table, which is why the manufacturer wants more time to choose who it wants next year. He says there's no deadline. We can do it one week before the test in Barcelona next year. And guess who's in the front row raising their hand going, ooh, 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 pick me, pick me, pick me. Mr. Cutter, Mr. Cutter. Daniel Kvyat? <laughs> Ocon. Well, the, the, Esteban the, Ocon has the saying the, he the, hopes. He hopes, and the thought is that Ocon's probably getting one of the seats. The question is, who gets the other seat? Mm-hmm. But it, it seems to be a pretty sure bet that Esteban Ocon is going to get a seat. Cool. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see what they do. Um, Frederick Vasseur says that they are trying to find the drivers of 2020, not 2010. Oh. Uh -huh. Now, also we heard that Haas has agreed to a deal for 2017 with Roman Grosjean. Cool. And, yeah, I think that was a pretty good move. Speaking of Haas, going back to Monza, and some of the other things that have happened and came out of Monza, Haas had their first ever appearance in Q3. Wow. Uh, huge. It wasn't Roman, though. It was Esteban. It got the car up in the 10th place. Um, the theory is that 
uh, he pretty well burned out his tires to get the car up there. And as a result, they didn't have a decent set of tires for him to go out and, and set a good lap. His lap in Q3 was slower than his lap in Q2 that got him into Q3. Oh, wow. But he ended up starting the race in 10th, which was a great, great starting position. Unfortunately, he didn't maintain that location. Mm. Um, Gunther Steiner says that um, this was not mechanical. He choked. Oh, poor kid. Poor kid. And I believe he ended up out of the points still. Ah. Yeah. Well, you know, I you got to look at wins for that team. And when they're this first year in F1, they started with nothing. And they've got this. I mean, yes, they bought everything they could buy. But don't misunderstand the fact that a year ago, they were on whiteboards. More than just that, their target goal for points for the entire season, what they were hoping to get, they had achieved by Barcelona. I know. I mean. I know. They've, they've outperformed their expectations. I think they're learning at this point that there's a long game involved here. They, they kind of peaked a little early in the season. But. There's a long game, and they've got to work at that. But they've got a lot to learn. But you can't count them out. I mean, they are, they're ahead of the curve in so very many ways for a new team. But the, the one thing that I am really hoping for for them for 2017, more than anything else right now, that they get some sponsors. Yeah. They can't run a bare car next year. If they do that, I, can't ima- I, I don't see them making it to their third season. They've mm. got to get some sponsors on that car. I think you're right. I definitely think you're right. So the the first peep that we heard about this, at least in, in our household that we heard about this, dropped out of nowhere in Channel 4's buildup for the Italian Grand Prix was a comment from Eddie Jordan. Yeah. Eddie had made some projections. Um, the Before... Before qualifying, he dropped, let loose some predictions. He said that he didn't think that uh, Jensen was going to be back for 2017. He got that right. There's some other things that he did and on and off. Generally, when Eddie starts saying what he sees and what he thinks, they tend to be true. I, I think he's got about a 60 to 70% average for his predictions. Mm-hmm. Well, EJ let loose that he had gotten word that CVC was about to sell off their share, and the deal with uh, uh, Liberty Media, was Liberty, yeah, Liberty Media, to buy a controlling stake in the team was going down Tuesday of last week, and that Bernie was not going to be making it to Singapore. He was going to be gone. Wow. It was really slow for the rest of the media to start to catch up, and we started hearing th- this steady drumbeat of the sale's going to happen, the sale's going to happen, but it seemed to be kind of mixed as what was going to happen with Bernie's future. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, the deal happened. Liberty Media has confirmed and is buying a controlling stake in Formula One for $4.4 billion. Wow. Now, is it confirmed? I thought it still had to go through one more piece of approval. Well, they have confirmed it. 
what the BBC is saying is that Liberty Media c- has confirmed that it is buying it. Okay. Um, we know this for a fact. What we also know, unfortunately, is that they have turned and asked Bernie to remain for another three years. Uh. So those of us who thought, as the folks over at uh, Jalopnik's Black <coughs> Black Flag column described it, Formula One's Muppet-haired dictator connoisseur will not be leaving the sport to head under a bridge to go bribe the trolls. Oh, I am so sad about that. Yeah. I think everyone with Muppet hair needs to go away. Everyone. Everyone with Muppet hair. Permanent Muppet hair or or, or just, you know, bouts of Muppet hair. Who has bouts of Muppet hair? I'm just thinking, you know, if somebody has a bad hair day, does that bring them into the Muppet hair category? Uh, (laughs) I, I think that we have to go with at least a 75% Muppet hair. Okay. You have to tend to Muppet hair more than you just have a bad hair day. If your preference is to muff, Muppet hair. If you have a Muppet hair preference, yes. Got it. Okay. Well, moving beyond <laughs> how we ended up with Muppet hair discussions. Anyway, <laughs> moving beyond that, what does this mean for Formula One? It means that Toto thinks it's really good news. A lot of people think it's really good news. The FIA, however, said, the hell's going on? <laughs> who is going to tell us? Liberty who? <laughs> you guys want to come talk to us maybe? Tell us what's happening here? Uh, now, one governing the, body? Yeah. One of the pieces of this deal that could be interesting mm-hmm. is it does sound like part of this deal allows for the teams to buy shares or stakes in their own future. Well, that is definitely um, one of the things that has been bounced around is that the teams may be able to, in fact, buy shares in the organization and buy some ownership in it. Whether that's good or bad, I don't know. There's also been talk that, um, you know, as much as Formula One has done much better with their digital and Internet presence this year than any other year, they haven't figured out to truly make Internet work for them. Mm-hmm. Um, there is thought that Liberty may be able to at least assist with that. I think some of it depends on what Bernie's level of control will be because I think Bernie is a lot, a big chunk of the obstacle for that. Um, there is also talk that because Liberty being a U.S. company could bring, could give Formula One a bigger presence in the U.S. Now, the head of Liberty who will be uh, it's not John Malone who's going to be taking over. Someone from Fox um, who's going to be taking over alongside Bernie has said that um, this does not mean we have any intention of abandoning Europe. Europe is very important. This is the cultural DNA and heritage of the sport, and we would be fools to turn our backs on that. Mm-hmm. But he does want to figure out how to expand worldwide presence and wor- wor- uh, of the sport as well as rethink how Formula One promotes itself um there has been a lot of comments coming out in in a lot of different areas about how yes bernie did an absolutely amazing job building the sport into what it is from a commercial standpoint however he has done so 
on the backs of national television contracts and those types of, of deals and, and, and racetrack deals as opposed to looking at other ways to promote the sport. And he, the sport may not be able to survive on that any longer. Yeah. The other thing that has been talked about is, and anybody who's been to Montreal or even uh, Austin can probably attest to this, Formula One gets promoted for you know, the, the, the lead-up weeks into its arrival at that city. Then it packs up and it leaves, and it's like it was never there. Mm. So one of the thoughts is that Liberty will look to some other ways to do more holistic promotion of the events around these sports. Um, also along the lines of, like we have seen Australia do and Austin is trying to do and several and, and Silverstone tries to do of making the weekend not only about Formula One but have other things going on to draw crowds and attract crowds to these tracks. And it's not, I'm here for Formula One, the Formula One race is over, I'm out of here. Right. Well, that can be good for the cities that are hosting it too. Yes. Which can increase the desire for the cities to host these things. Yeah, some of the, the uh, groups that Liberty Media owns, they own the Atlanta Braves. Mm -hmm. They also own Live Nation, which is a big concert promoter they are so at the very least i think having that live nation tie-in that could give them some really good stuff to play with it really could are we at that point to start talking about singapore are we looking ahead yet sure we can look ahead i don't have stats or anything like that for this week i'm, I'm not gonna do stats i just wanted to talk about a couple of things okay <clears throat> okay so we have talked incessantly about the halo. Mm -hmm. um, it sounds like Fernando Alonso may be uh, tapped to drive with it at Singapore. Um, hmm. However, I read a fascinating article um, about the halo and some of the dissenters against the halo, uh, of course, being classic Formula One drivers, including Sir Sterling Moss, yeah, um, who are very, very against it. And... The interesting thought and the comment that I found so fascinating was, you know, when you look back on the car in the 60s and when it was in its prime of its deadliest years, mm -hmm. the sides of the cars were much, much lower. You could see into the cockpits and see what the drivers were doing, basically from the sidelines. I think it was like that even up into the 80s. Mm -hmm. In fact, the sides started coming up. They, they talked, it, they started to come up a little bit, but... By the time Senna died, they really started pulling the sides up yeah. in the cars. And one of the things that they the, – the comments that were said was, as the sides have come up, the cars are definitely safer um, and basically not making the driver's head the, t the highest point on the car, mm -hmm. also a safety thing. But what they feel is going on is that every time you add another layer, another height change to the car, you disconnect people from the driver that much further. And their feeling was that if a driver goes into that car thinking that it's infinitely safe, they won't drive as well. And that that is part of the reason. I mean, Sterling, Sir Sterling Moss said particularly that he only drove in Formula One because it was dangerous. That's what attracted him to it. And he 
you want people to be driving on the edge and admit that there's a certain level of danger to it. And that's why they're against the halo because it, again, makes the cars more and more like sports cars and less like Formula One cars. Yeah, the only problem I have with that is, again, you look at Le Mans. Yeah. And you look at their cars, which are enclosed, and the racing is pretty good. The speeds are fast. And nobody looks at those cars and goes, oh, yeah, those are intrinsically safe. Yeah. Go bounce off all the walls and those and, uh, and just walk away. No, nobody says that at all. I understand. I understand. But it's 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 thought. But while we're talking about safety, I thought I would segue, use that as a nice little segue into something that I found equally as interesting. Apparently, one Nico Rosberg has been inquiring about the prevalence of Zika in Singapore, which happens to be one of the Zika hotspots. Mm-hmm. He is highly concerned, and I quote, he's a family man now, and he is <laughs> highly concerned, which makes me wonder, do we think that Mrs. Rosberg might be pregnant again? Well, if she was currently pregnant, then the answer for Nico would be to leave her home. Mm-hmm. But what if they're if, trying? If they're trying, that's a different story. She still has to stay home. That's the reality. Right. But he, but if they're trying, knowing that it can be transmitted through intercourse, yes. then, yeah, I could see that concern. Right. Because if he gets it, that's equally as— If he's a as, carrier. If he becomes a carrier, that's equally as troubling. Correct. So then the question becomes— if he is not satisfied by the answer, does he not go to Singapore? No, I think he goes. I think he goes anyway. And dips himself in deet? Speaking of, of Nico, and, and you know, we mentioned it, he won the race in Monza because Lewis flubbed his start. Mm-hmm. The British tabloids, their response to Monza and how this went was that Lewis gifted Nico the win. And there was a lot of uproar about this. Mm-hmm. I go both ways on it. In many respects, I think that Lewis did gift him the win, but he gifted him the win because Nico was there. Right. Nico did not make a mistake. Nico didn't have to fight for it because Lewis screwed up. Well, I think that's the big that's the big conversation point. Nico gets the better when Lewis makes an error. Mm-hmm. When Lewis is on point and does not make an error, Louis, uh, Nico can't hold a candle to him. And I think that that's the gifting the win piece, is that at this point we all have to address the fact or admit that at the top of their games, mistake-free, wheel-to-wheel, Lewis will outrace Nico hands down. More, more often He's, than not, Lewis will. He yes. is at, at top form, he is the better driver. However, Lewis takes bigger risks because he's a much more mm-hmm. um, intuitive driver. And he takes bigger risks, and bigger risks ca- you know, come with bigger mistakes. Yes. And so Lewis will tend to make more mistakes than Nico will. 
So Nico is only going to become world champion. And this is, this is the hard thing to understand and a hard thing to admit. Nico is going to become world champion because he makes fewer mistakes than Lewis, not because he's a better driver than Lewis. And I think that that's where we actually have to get to. Now, do I think he's actually going to be world champion this year? I really think it's going to be very, very close, and he's not going to get it. it, it it's going to be tight. And given the way this year has gone, as opposed to what happened in um, 2014, if it goes down to the last race, it needs to be a fight this time. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be a technical issue that decides it. Right. But I think – I don't want to take anything away from Nico here. Nico is a very good driver. Nico is clearly at the top of his personal gain at this point. Right. But, yeah, nine times out of ten, if they're head-to-head, Lewis beats Nico. Lewis has Nico's number, and he knows every single way that he can take advantage of, of Nico and win. The difference between the two of them, and I'm with you. I don't want to say that Nico isn't a fantastic driver. He is top of the field in very many ways until it comes to going head-to-head with Lewis. And, and he, he deserved the win in Monza for the simple fact that he made no mistakes. Exactly. It, it was a flawless race for him. Technically, Lou, uh, Nico is a fantastic driver. Mm-hmm. He is. He makes, on average, fewer mistakes per race in overall than Lewis will. But he also doesn't ride that razor's edge between good and mistake. His risk calculation comes out differently than Lewis's. Exactly. And Lewis will err on a side of big risk, great reward. And Nico is going to come in with that consistency. And that's the difference between the two of them. And we can tell just from, I mean, the numbers don't lie. When you take big risks and you get big rewards, occasionally you flub things. You just have to hope that you don't flub as much as you get right. And that's what's going to keep Lewis propelling forward. Nico, if Nico was to make world champion, is because he makes fewer mistakes. That's the reason. You know the matchup I'd like to see? And I think this would probably be a bit more telling of Nico's skill and Nico's talent. Is a direct head-to-head matchup, identical cars and everything, of Nico and Sebastian Vettel. Hmm. That's what I think I'd like to see. See, because I would like to see a Sebastian Vettel, Lewis Hamilton head-to-head, same cars. Yeah. I mean, we, we've seen bits and pieces of it, and it's a good fight between the two of them. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see how Nico compared to Seb, especially because Seb is a different is a different style of driving than Lewis. Right. It's an interesting conundrum. But I did want to call out that Nico is afraid of something, the mosquito. Okay. Maybe that's what Lewis should do is walk up behind him throughout the entire weekend and go, bzz, bzz, bzz. You know what we're, we're actually going to see this weekend is, and, and this is probably one of the reasons why Nico's concerned, not only are they in Singapore, but this is a back-to-back race with Singapore and Malaysia, mm-hmm. which is only like 
four or five hours away from each other. Mm-hmm. Also kind of curious is what, what the effect will be on attendance having those two races back-to-back. Should be very interesting. I mean, you either come up with this, like, awesome, let's make it a week thing where you go to one and then everybody, you know, transits to the second one, or you divide the attendance. But is that something that the folks out there in those two countries or even the three or four neighboring countries – is that something that they would be willing to do? I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. It'll be interesting. The, the other thing I think will be kind of interesting is that if you remember, Singapore was typically a one-off race at that time frame because it's, what, 12-hour time difference between Singapore and the U.K. The drivers typically did not try and adjust to the local time zone. Right. And that was one of the many reasons why that race is a night race. However, with Malaysia now being back-to-back, how does that impact their preparation? I mean, granted, it'll be nice. They they deal a lot with, with trying to acclimate themselves to the humidity. Right. So they'll have an extra week in that weather and in that environment that they can try and acclimate, it, which it should be a bit better for Malaysia. I think that's something that we'll have to see when the weekend comes. I I can't wait because I like Singapore. Mm-hmm. It, it, I know a lot of people don't. They don't like the racing, and, and the racing isn't always that great. But I just – the visuals of that race more than any other, even even now that Bahrain is a night race – the visuals at Singapore, I think, are the coolest. They are quite beautiful. You are right. And my big questions, are we going to have a, a race track walker this time? I'm assuming we will not. And I think on that, we should probably call it a show. Yeah. We are so glad you came. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye-bye. Remember, please discard all candy wrappers and popcorn containers in the nearest trash receptacle. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> okay. Are they all gone? Uh, is, is, there, is everybody gone? <laughs> huh? Good. Oh my gosh, my cheeks are killing me. I can't keep smiling like this anymore. I am exhausted. I think I need a break. A little break? Okay.